Looking for insurance, we hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. Since 2002, People's State Bank has supported Lawrence County and served their financial needs in four different locations, Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. Stacy Moore, our fellow Saluki and his staff are so happy to help you. And, and just like they help youth sports and 4-H events, they've sponsored Pack the Place. And well, now they're helping out with this podcast and we truly appreciate their sponsorship. All kind of financial needs. Whatever you need, just go see the folks at People State Bank. Again, it's in Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. For all your financial needs, go see People State Bank. Hey, we've got a big show for you on this episode. Can't wait to get to it, but don't forget, right after the interview on tonight's show... The second installment of The Mystery Voice, we're going to play just a little bit more of that clue, and we'll do a random drawing to see who's on the clock for this time. And then uh, if it's not guessed, we'll do one more show of a random draw, and then we're going to open it up to anybody. So stay tuned after the interview for The Mystery Voice. We might be calling you. (laughs) Every step I take. Welcome to another episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. We appreciate you listening as always. And, of course, we appreciate our house band, John Bon Jovi and the guys, playing that song again. We are we are just princes today without our king. Big Dave's in the field. So uh, the usual co-hosts are here, though. Gary Emmons, how are you, brother? Good. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good. And Mr. Chip Jamerson, what's up, buddy? Hello. Excited about this show. We got a big one tonight. Yeah, well, this is one uh, we've been looking forward to for a long time. We've, we've said this a few times, but when we first mapped it all out, this was one that went down uh, that we had to do. And uh, let's just get right to it. What do you say? Yep, we, uh, we figured Born to Run was a good one, a good theme song for tonight. We've got the most decorated athlete, really, in Red Hill history and, and went on to a fantastic college career. And our guest with Jim Baker, our second professional athlete that we've had, former Saluki. So without further ado, welcome Matt Shear to the Old School Podcast. How are you, Matt? Doing really good. Thanks, you guys, for having me on. Yeah, this is great to have you. Um, obviously, um, a, a storied, storied career, and we'll go through all of that, but uh we it's it, we are in awe of the of the things that you accomplished and and I was just telling some people over here in, in Indiana where I live who I had coming on and and they're like wait a minute somebody from Bridgeport did that we're like yep that's right so there'll be a lot of people listening to this so Gary you want to start us off brother yeah uh, first of all let's let's start off now where are you now what are you doing right now uh, right now I live in Denver Colorado uh, and I'm still I'm still working in the uh, in the track industry so. Oh, cool. I still feel kind of rooted to that. And, uh, yeah. 
How do you like Colorado? Oh, it's awesome. I skied for the first time this, this winter, um, which was, we don't really need to get into that, but <laughs> I, I didn't look very athletic doing that, but uh, yeah, no, I, I really like it here. I've been here, uh, three of the, uh, three of the last five years. Really? So yeah. now, now what are you doing still in the track industry, man? Uh, I work for a company that does webcasts, uh, video production webcasts of, of track events. Oh, cool. Awesome. How was, uh, your training? I'm sure you still do some sort of training and things like that and running. How was it in the altitude? Uh, it was kind of, that was fun, you know, moving here, you know, about five years ago, kind of just getting used to that. I'd, I'd never really experienced that too much. Um, and I don't, I don't train very hard anymore. I, I try to get out the door and run, uh, a little bit here and there, but, um, yeah, altitude is no joke. Yeah. <laughs> so till we're going to kind of just start, we're going to start from the beginning. So did you go to petty school or did you go to Sumner? Where'd you go? Yeah, I started out at Petty, um, and I think that was an awesome experience. I kind of grew up in the country anyway, so, you know, taking my first first year as a public school out there, I thought was just a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then uh, you know, Bridgeport Grade School, Sumner Attendance Center, and, and all of that was just, it was, I don't know, I look back on all of that, and it's just, I'm really glad that that was my experience growing up yeah. mm-hmm. uh, compared to kind of how, how my life has progressed and been in different cities at different times, and so I always look back and, and appreciate that what were your first uh, like like organized team sports was it not until fifth grade did you do anything pre pre-grade school yeah it was uh, like fourth grade fifth grade i don't remember when it actually started but it was the uh, like um junior pro basketball mm-hmm. at like bridgeport yeah. grade school that was kind of my first experience at that and um that was a lot of fun as well that's where i got interested in, in basketball and that was i mean really that was my favorite sport yeah. all through high school like that's where you know, I wish I would have been an NBA player, not, <laughs> yeah. not a runner. But. You played a little baseball too. Played a little little league baseball in Bridgeport, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I know uh, the really good memories of that. I've heard you guys talk about that before. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I do listen. To, I've listened to most of your your podcasts. Uh, I haven't gotten through all of them, but we've we've uh, got a, a awesome. long list Thank of you. questions for yes. that little league show that we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a good one. I know. Do you? You hit at least one homer in an all-star game. Did you have much success in baseball, and did you have a lot of fun playing? Uh, I had a ton of fun. It was always fun and, and being out anything outdoors, you know, as a kid and everything. And uh, I played played on bank all four years. I, I was going to okay. say, I, I for whatever reason, that's I was going to ask, but I thought you were a bank kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you all- and you football too. I know you had a. I think my co my brother here, Brian, even coached you in some junior pro football, and you had a, some pretty good success playing playing football as well. I don't know who else who else coached that team with you, but Brian, do you remember? Yeah, uh, Kevin Tucker and uh, Jimmy yeah. Worth, I think. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. to think you probably wouldn't have been the athlete that you are without my my stellar coaching in the fifth grade. I wouldn't disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, you had moved on to, to junior high, and I know that's when you uh, you were starting to come into your own as a basketball player for sure. You, uh, We were trying to – we would love to get our hands on some of those uh, all-time statistics that Mr. C used to keep, and we we need to get our hands on those. Do you remember where you fell on that? You had a lot of high-scoring games and, and as a junior high player. Do you know where you fell on that list? Uh, I think I ended up – I think I ended up second or third. I know Keith Frohawk was at the top of that list. Oh, um, yeah. And then, you know, Brandon – came a couple years after me and might have, he might have topped that, but, uh, Brandon Christie. Yeah. Yeah. I think I ended up second or third. And then you had a, in junior high too, is the first uh, thing. I, I don't know how many like uh, of academics, obviously you were valedictorian at Red Hill and you know, had a really great academic career too. 
you were on a, on a learning Olympiad team that did first. How many of those types of academic teams do you remember being on as a, as a I, youngster? I just I just jumped into anything, any activity, <laughs> any sport that I could that I could get into and I could you know find the time for. So I, I just loved all that stuff. I did I did things like math team, yeah, Scholastic Bowl, spelling bees, um, yeah, any any of that stuff. It's a great segue because I think the spelling bee run of 1997 was a, a very great <laughs> run. I don't know if you did spelling bees after that, but this was a particular one that I kind of took hold of and looked at. And, you know, you made a nice run that year. And then uh, in January of 97, do you remember who you beat in the Red Hill Junior High spelling bee? Who You beat a lot of people, but you know who got second place in this one? I don't. He's the, I think he's the listener. Scott Evans got second mm. place in that in that one. Scott uh, Sorry, misspelled. Scott. Scott misspelled precipitated. You swooped in and you you stole that word from him, and uh, you uh, you took that one. Sarah Slater came in third place in that one, which then you know you win that one and you move on. So you go to the Lawrence County Spelling Bee, and this is the one that I thought was a pretty you you won that one. This is a really interesting. They you guys got you and Brittany Lockhart from Lawrenceville. Thirty two. Words go back and forth. Oh, after. oh, I love it. Yeah, so you guys went back and forth for 32 words. You end up winning on the word restaurant of all words. It wasn't, oh, wow. all, which seems like probably, you know, we think it was a somewhat of an easy word. Are they, That's but, how it always happens. You spell, yeah. you spell like 20 words that are really hard and then you just miss something easy. You both missed the word, uh, I can't read my writing, veraculous. That makes sense. Don't, don't know what it is. So <laughs> you and Brittany both both missed on that one, but and then you ended up, uh, you know, you you won that, and you end up at the regional spelling bee down in, in Evansville. And you win that one. You go to Washington D.C. for the Scripps uh, spelling bee, and you end up getting second one on that one. What wow. would, do you remember? Do you remember <laughs> that experience at, at the, when you when you got to the Evansville Courier one down here in Evansville? Yeah, um, that was interesting. I hadn't really been, you know, all of my experience at that time, just you know, traveling to a different school to play a basketball game or something, and so. Um, you know, you're just standing up on stage in front of a microphone, which was just a little bit right. unique uh, yeah. compared to what I had done. Um, and I, I don't feel like I did particularly well there. I didn't spell the, you know, a lot of hard words or anything, but I just kind of outlasted everybody else. Um, <laughs> yeah. For the most that's, part. That's awesome. I, yeah. So, I mean, I thought that one, you and Brittany Lockhart, the 32 or no, I think it was actually 34 words going back and forth. That's, Gary, uh, we went, we went out a couple of times. We had another spelling bee where we, they ran out of words and we oh, just tied. Uh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Gary, what word did you say that he, he won on? Restaurant in the one to get to to Evansville. I don't know what ended up happening in the Evansville. Well, I mean, speaking uh, of restaurants, oh, a segue here. see how I did that? <laughs> if you're ready to go out to eat in Bridgeport, Illinois, there is no better place to go for a good steak or tenderloin or a catfish dinner or, of course, our favorite cheeseburgers than Gray's Restaurant. 75 years they've been feeding the people of Bridgeport and the surrounding areas, and they'd appreciate to feed you today or this weekend. Give them a call, 618-945-9501, and let the Gray family cook for your family today. So obviously in junior high, Matt, I don't think there was no junior high track team. So you hadn't got ingrained in that. Didn't even probably thought about it maybe at that point of being so on the track. That team. surprises me. So we had dropped our junior high track program at that because, you know, we've talked about how we did have junior high tracks. Right. I talked about my my um, time on that team. So, OK, I didn't realize yeah. I was going to ask about his junior high track career. Okay, go I, think on, they, Gary. I think they picked it up just a year or two after I got into high school, I think. If oh, wow. I remember right, but yeah. So I, you I never really ran meets on the cinder track then, did you? Okay. No. 
good. That was probably that's. I don't think anybody really cared for that when they had to do that. So that's that's good. So you know, did you play? Did you play football seventh and eighth grade too? Yeah. Okay, so you played through that, and so now you graduate from eighth grade. It's time to move move on to Red Hill. There hadn't been junior. Do you remember the decision that you weren't going to play football in high school then? I do. And that was a tough one. And it was, I mean, cause that's what so much of our area is about. Right. And, right, yeah. and uh, I don't remember exactly like, you know, the, the, the definitive reasons. I think that, you know, with so many other things, I, I knew I was, you know, played basketball all summer long. And I think part of it was, that I just like, that was kind of a time where I could take a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause then I'd go basketball again in the winter and then, you know, at that time, I didn't know if I'd run track or play baseball in the spring. So, right, um, right. That's, that's funny I, to think about now that you, you weren't sure if you were going to run track or not. Yeah. <laughs> you, so at this point, you play golf. Uh, Red Hill has a golf program. You start playing golf. When did your mom and dad, when did they open, start and they live out the par three golf course? And when did Cedarbrook open? I wasn't sure when or how that went. Oh, that timeline. Was, I think that was around when I was in junior high. So I bet that did play, you know, that was an easy factor to, to put in there of like, yeah. okay, I can play golf all the time. I could just play golf instead of football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you, you have, I don't know how I looked at some of your, your golf scores and you know, I thought I won, I know one round when you got a little bit older, you had a 35 and one under, but obviously you had a part three golf course that so you probably got to had unlimited golf balls and practice there quite a bit. And, but moving on to that basketball team, I mean, you had a heck of a, great I mean, that was a great basketball, basketball team. I mean, they were, 23 and eight, uh, your freshman year and 13 and one, I think we may have lost chip here, but, um, oh, there he's back. So with that team, you know, you end up getting, you get some playing time as a freshman on that team. Do you remember your experience with, uh, and that was uh, coach Wilsey. Yeah. That was, that was his first year. That was coach Wilsey's first year as well. And, uh, so you got some playing time in that year with Jason Bryan and, and, uh, you know, those guys. So what are your memories of, uh, as a freshman playing some varsity ball? Scared the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there was just such a great group and there was, there were big groups too. the, the, the three classes above me and, and, uh, you know, Jason, you just mentioned him. He was great in, in helping me come along. Mike Moore was another one that just kind of yeah. took me under his wing and, and helped me along. And coach Wilsey was, was great with confidence building as well. And, uh, yeah, I think I only played about half of that year and then got injured, but it was, right. uh, you know, I think that I gained a lot of valuable experience, you know, heading, heading into the next three years. You started. You started a few games that year too, or that, uh, after the after the the turn of the year, and uh, you know then you did have the ankle injury, and uh, that put you out for a bit. But you know now it's you hear Coach Kendall tell a story. He sees you run a four hundred in PE class, and that's where maybe the recruiting starts for you. Is that how you remembered as well to get you to join the track team? Yeah, essentially. Um, yeah, yeah, just kind of. And it's kind of the first time I'd done, you know, any time. I mean, I guess that's more of a time trial, but uh, uh, where I could really see and compare to other people, other classmates and stuff that I, you know, I had an advantage over, you know, with my speed. Do you remember what your 400 was in that PE class? What you ran it in? I don't. 57 seconds, Matt. 57, but that's, that's you know, not bad. That's not for, I guess, for if somebody that's never, uh, right out of never, the gate. Done, never done it before. And uh, obviously, Coach Kendall saw, he knew he probably had something right then and there when he, when he sees you uh, at a 50, run a run of 57. So, did you at that point, fundamentals of track, you know, it's not just going out and running, you know, just it's not running as fast as you can. I mean, there's a lot to it. When did you start learning like the fundamentals, how to, 
how to work out at it. Was it even that early on or did that take years to come into that? I mean, that was almost my entire high school career. Uh, and, and the relationship that I had with coach Kendall was really collaborative. Like we yeah. learned a lot together. together. Yeah. That's awesome. We talked to other coaches at other meets and, you know, you know, fish for tips and tricks and, um, you know, different things to train at. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I was pretty raw even, even by the time I got to college. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So Matt, did you know, like, okay, so I know, you know, coach Kendall said, and, and like Gary just said that, that he saw it immediately. Did you, did, did you know that I got something here? I think. I mean, I always, I always knew I was pretty fast. I just didn't have much to compare it to. Right. And you know, it's, it's a kind of a stepping stone. You're like, okay, I want to be fastest in my PE class and fastest in the school. And then fastest at a, at a track meet. And like, that's basically kind of the mentality I took through my whole entire career of like, okay, I, I, I did this. What's next. It's right. always what's next. Yeah. Then of course your freshman year out of the gate, you make it to Charleston first year, go, go to state as a, as, as a freshman. And, um, you know, I don't know when the season starts, if that's a goal in mind, you are, is, was that in each year, I'm sure you set goals for yourself and you learn to do that more, you know, I guess probably every year, but was that something you even had in the back of your mind that I could make it to state my first year out? I don't think until, you know, at least halfway through the season when I started, you know, really cutting my time down. And I remember that state meet, uh, cause that was, you know, also kind of a stage that I hadn't even come close to being on before. Right. And then I made it, made it, to, was lucky enough to make it to the finals. Uh, and I'm just standing there ready to start. And I'm the only one not using blocks. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> really weird feeling. I'm like, okay, next year I'm going to learn to use blocks. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now, was that just though, was the, I mean, Red Hill had them, right? Or was it just a, a personal choice at that point? Obviously you just never yeah. felt comfortable in them. I, I used them for the hundred and 200, but I never used it for the 400. I just, you know, standing start. Never thought uh, of Yeah. Right. Now, have you heard the story of Doug Shank that we talked about on some of the older where he made it? Gary, did he make it to the final race? Yeah, he he won his heat on or won. Uh, he made it to the state finals on. And this would have been uh, what nineteen eighty one ish. I don't remember. Yeah, he's eighty. Like so it was his senior year. Yeah, yeah, eighty one. He made it to the final race and false and started. Actually had the best time on Friday. So yeah, he was the favorite. favorite and false and started. started and got DQ. It was one false start and he DQ'd. Oh no! So like just like the heartbreaking like of of Red Hill, some of the heartbreaks we've had. That's one of the ones we learned about. That was that was a big heartbreak. Yeah. Uh, you know that was a. You make it to Saturday. You uh, you placed. You got sixth, I believe. Yeah. You ran a. I think on Friday it was a forty nine point forty nine. Then you ran a fifty point oh three on on Saturday in the finals, which was sixth place. And uh, Tony Weston was the was the previous person from Red Hill to to score score any points, but. You scored enough uh, with your points. Red Hill tied for 49th in the state, which, again, you know, that's going to be a common theme with you in in state with uh, doing those kinds of things. But obviously a very successful freshman year in track, um, making it to state. I mean, that's that's an amazing accomplishment accomplishment right out of the gate. And then, you know, in in that summertime, I know obviously in years later, you started doing things in the summertime with track and with the U S junior nationals and things like that. Was there anything between your freshman and sophomore year or did that come later? I don't think there was, I don't think I knew that it existed at that point. Right. Okay. So I, I probably stuck to, to basketball all summer. Yeah. And there was plenty of that to do for sure, for sure. And uh, you know, so sophomore, so we get into that year, you're back on the golf, golf team again. Um, 
basketball in the Envirothon team. I never had heard of that before. I'm not sure what that was, but you're on the Envirothon team, so you're looking out for our environment uh, for, for Red Hill. So thank you for that. What? Wait, wait, what I, is it? I'd totally forgotten I, that. That's almost news to me. <laughs> what is this, Gary? It was about the environment, and they had to learn things about the environment. It was like a competition, and oh, okay. And I thought we were still like on uh, had something to do with basketball. Okay, I get no, you now. No, now no. this is about, this is brains. <laughs> this okay. had, that, had to, that had to be a Mr. Gifford. He had to. I had. I have to think he was leading that team. If I was that, or maybe it was something through like the ag department. Okay, okay. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was through the All ag right. department. <laughs> So, uh, you know, so you get through that, you had a, you made the all, uh, for the Capital Classic, you made the all tournament team, you end up averaging about eight a game, your basketball in your sophomore year. That team was uh, mediocre, 13, 13 and 17, didn't have a, didn't have a great year with a, which would end up being Coach Fulzi's last year. Uh, that is the year we, we did cover this school year. So this is what yeah, we, we have talked yes. about this season a little bit. It's yeah. coming back to me now. Yeah, that's right. That yeah. was such so, a fun, that was such a fun team to play on though with, with that. The, that whole roster yeah um and, and you guys talked about that in that podcast that like i don't know we averaged like six four or something yeah. oh yeah it's, i mean you had uh, it, mark Bourne and uh jordan leasty and jake was tall and you were what six three at the time probably something like that yeah and, even uh, even coach wilsey was like that that's as big a team as i've ever had yeah and i coached the freshman that, that, that year and i know you know Coach Wilsey was always – he was pretty loose for the most part, but I know he used to ride a few of the players pretty hard in, in practices. Jordan Leasty used to get the worst of it from what I, from what I remember. But, uh, um, you know, that was a, a season that was, um, had some injuries and, and different things like that, so it wasn't the uh, – we mentioned Kenny Fox. Kenny was on that team too, one of the, one of the best players on that team. Um, but getting, getting back to track, uh, you know, again – you go to state once again, um, you know, the Vincent Sun commercial, they always posted their tops in the 100 and the 200 and the 400. And, you know, that's where I think that you, you definitely started um, seeing big improvements yeah. from your freshman year. Cause in the freshman year, you're like fourth in the area, third in the area. So it was always nice to see that and compare yourself. Cause they do it for a lot of sports. You know, Vincent's Lincoln for us, you know, from being Red Hill small school, Lincoln was always the biggest school. So it was nice to see see comparisons. And that's when you, you know, that's when it was obvious that Matt Shear was going to be a track star from just, just looking at those numbers. So you make it to state again. I think you made it in a, a couple of different categories that year, didn't you? I think so. Yeah. I don't know if I went in, all, in four events or not, but I, th I think I just placed in one. Yeah, you won. Yeah, you had the in the regional. Uh, you were in the triple jump. I mean, is that something that that looks incredibly difficult for uh, some? That's something you you did well in yeah. a few times with probably very little coaching or probably knowing much of what was going on. I have a feeling. Yeah, it's something that just kind of came a little bit natural. You know, I did a little bit of long jumping and triple jumping. I think I think uh, like looking back, I was probably a decent amount better at the triple jump, and uh, so it was just an easy easy way to score points at, you know, invitationals and things. And, um, you know, never know when I could hit how, one at state or something and yeah. get another medal. How do you, how do you, how do you learn how to do that? I mean, I'm sure yeah. coach Kendall, you, like you said, you guys learn together, but that's such a unique event. Yeah. And I mean, there wasn't YouTube back then. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, there's no YouTube. <laughs> uh, but he had, I mean, he had a set of, I mean, he did a ton of work. Uh, coach Kendall did. And cause I mean, he, he, at that time was coaching almost every event. Yeah. And so I know he had like a, you know, a coaching videotape series and, and was always looking for different resources and things. So, 
um, yeah, I, I, I'm lucky that he was there yeah. when I was yeah. and somebody that put in that kind of, that kind of effort. Right. Yeah. And I tell you something else we're very lucky to have. If you want pizza <laughs> in Bridgeport, Illinois, there's no better place than Tyler Griffin's pizza house right there across from the dog pound. You know where they are? They're open Tuesday through Sunday, 4 to 9, and the first Friday of every month, they open for lunch. And the world is waiting on the specialty pizza of the month for May, and I've got it. Breaking news right here, Chip Jamerson. They're going to do – Get ready. are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, I don't know about – Tyler, he only let me in like on a few months ahead, so I have not heard this one. It's a pizza burger pizza. That's right. It's got hamburger – onions of course lots of cheese mozzarella cheese sticks and more sauce on top of that goodness all right so there you go everybody needs to try a pizza burger pizza from tyler griffin's pizza house and you can give them a call of course they can deliver you can pick it up that phone number is 945-3663 and do you know what i realized today what does 3663 spell okay so three would be the the DEF key. Okay. Six, six. Six. Oh, man. I got to weigh down the alphabet now. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. Um, three dog. Dog? No, because that'd nope. be the <laughs> food. That's right. <laughs> Nine, four, five, food. Yeah. For Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. 6-6, six, six, yes. <laughs> Easy to remember that for people who need pizza in Bridgeport. In the That's Australia. right. Call 945-FOOD. Food to get that pizza. Nice. Good job, Tyler. So uh, you get to state. Now, the name Ryan Shields gets brought up quite often when you talk about Matt Shear in your high school career. Did you ever feel like that was a rivalry? Did you look at it that way? I mean, I hoped it was. I mean, he yeah. was quite a bit faster than me. Yeah. Um, I mean, just just so naturally gifted. Um, yeah, he was always kind of in my way. Where was he from? <laughs> State title, Chicago. Chicago okay. Leo was okay. Leo's okay. Yeah. So that that starts where, and, and I don't know, um, you guys were the same grade, of course, and you would he would be your nemesis now for the next for the next three years. Um, so you finished second. In the 400 to, to to Ryan that year, and looks like in the the finals he uh, he ran a 48.25, and you were a 49.03. Um, so you're you're there, and I know each year I think maybe you got a little closer uh, each year. But that in that summer after that after your state finals there, that's when you had your first exposure to the to the U.S. track and field uh, the the youth national. So did, was that something that you had to apply for? Did they recruit you? How did that come come to be? Most of those summer things I did was kind of like you just you sign up and, you know, you get seated into like wherever you fit based on your, your season's time. Um, but there was a couple later, like junior and senior year that I did get invited to. That was a national level meet. Most like in that one, uh, after your sophomore, you placed you placed fifth uh, in the 400 in that one and probably your first exposure, that kind of thing. So uh, your, your name's getting out there, um, you know, in terms of that. Do you, did you like, were you on message boards? Were you on the internet looking to see kind of where you stacked up with other kids or were you doing much of that at that time? I don't, I wasn't uh, at that time because I didn't know that it was out there. Right. Um, those things. Were I, even, yeah. After my freshman year at state, I started getting some of those uh, recruiting questionnaires and everything. So, so I was aware of, Hey, this could be, you know, a path forward. 
uh, and a way to get into a college or a college scholarship. So um, that's when I started trying to find out more about anything. So who were who uh, that early in in who were you getting letters from at that point? Just more regional Midwest schools, you think, or uh, it could be anything at yeah. that point. Some some of those are just like you place at state, you're on a mailing you're just list. on a list, right? Yeah. Uh, and like you send it back and I probably shouldn't have been sending those back at that time in hindsight, yeah. I should have waited till I, you know, a year or two later and had better times. But, um, were you getting, yeah, just, were you getting personally contacted that early or did that come later? That came later. Okay. I think because of NCA recruiting rules, I think that was, uh, like okay. after junior season, I think that could start happening. Looks like Ryan Shields went to Marquette and I'm looking at his college bests versus your college bests and you won. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So junior year, another golf season. Um, who was the golf coach? Was that Mr. Mr. Ingram? Ingram. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I thought. I don't know. I remember if coach Kendall helped with that because he was out of football at that point. So I wasn't sure if he was helped help coach. I know he and Kent used to play golf a lot, quite a bit together, yeah. but I wasn't sure if coach was, uh, coach was on that. Do you, what was your best success as a golf? Was that one under 35 your senior year? Do you, is that your, your best, uh, uh, yeah. Round? Um, yeah. I mean, my, well, since I had the, we had the par three, um, my short game was really good all the time. Yeah. Um, I couldn't keep a drive in the fairway <laughs> to save my life. So, Eventually, uh, Coach Ingham just had me put my driver away, and I still do that to this day. Sometimes I just play with my three iron. So Is that right? Just go that way. Well, that's another that's another good thing about that altitude will help you. The ball just travel a little better. Yeah, it does. So uh, another appearance in the, at the state. Um, you made it in multiple events uh, that year. That was uh, pretty impressive. You made it to state in the 400, the 100, the 200, and the long jump. And uh, when it was all said and done, uh, second in the 400, Mr. Shields again, and uh, but it was a third in the 200, then fourth in the long jump. Go ahead, Chip. Well, and, and I, also in this junior year, I mean, we can get into the state meet a little bit. I, I, I wanted to make oh, sure yeah. we talked about the big meet down in Harrisburg. That was like, that was a, Coach Kendall mentioned it on the Coach Kendall podcast. And I don't know if you have, um, you. there was a recent article online, it was just written last year from Tony Holler, who was the coach down at Harrisburg at that time. Uh, he wrote an article called, I Don't Believe What I Just Saw. Um, so I don't know if you've come across that on any searches or somebody sent that to you, but yeah, uh, I did. I did see that. And, um, he talks about that day and that, and Brian, I was talking about hearing from, um, um, schools and, but this was the, from what I read and from coach Kendall said this day, this was the day, like I said, really put you on the map that day. Just talk about that meet at Harrisburg, um, that year. Well, it really started about a week before, um, I was, I had run a couple races at around 48 flat and I hadn't broken 48 yet. And I had a big meet at Newton coming up, which was an opportunity to run on an all weather track, which didn't always have. Yeah. And I was just psyching myself up all week. I was like, okay, going to break, break 48, break 48. Um, and I ended up running 47, seven or so. Um, and that kind of put me on the map a little bit farther out regionally. And Tony, Tony Holler saw that and, you know, he had a couple of good 400 meter runners as well. And I think he wanted to, I don't, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but like take a, get a glance at what the competition is going to be a state. So it was after that race at Newton that coach Kendall got a call and I got invited down and we took, you know, just a small group of athletes and uh, kind of just did the same thing, get really psyched up. And this would be some of the best runners I've ever run against. Almost everybody in that race had already like signed a letter of intent to go play football or run track somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and 
I just, uh, just kind of went out and did my thing. I, I, I probably was nervous enough, uh, that I just went out faster than I'd ever gone out before and was able to hold on and wow. came away with a really good time, a time that was, you know, I'd just broken 48 and then I ran another second faster in that race. Yeah. 46, six, seven is what they had yet in, in that one. And I and think was, even in, in the article, he's, I think they even said when, I think it was like coach Kendall was given times and I think they thought, who's this? I mean, right. come on, we never, we never heard of this kid. And all of a sudden we're, we're, we're seeing some of these, you know, these 47, 48, like, there's no way this, this is even true. So when you're, just, so you said 46, 67. So like this time here, I don't follow the 400 that closely, but I assume like, this is like, not just like a, this is like nationwide, one of the best 400s that anybody's run. I mean, you're, you're one of the best across the United States at this point, right? At that time, on that day, it was number three in the country. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And it, yes, and it held for number six or seven by the end of the season. And, okay. and, and I think, you know, the question, I guess, well, probably a popular question is, how in the world does the, the best track programs in America find a kid in Bridgeport, Illinois? That's how. Right there. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember when that race was done, like everybody, the timers walk up to your lane, show you what they timed you at and everything. I'm like, I, I did a double take at it. <laughs> walk over to coach Kendall. I tell him what the time was. He's like, really? Are you sure? And then I think he said like, that's pretty fast. And I was kind of dazed. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I don't, I never even thought about running a, yeah. a six as the second digit. Yeah. Then, right. Wow. Well, it's kind of funny too because there's a that article. There's a there's a video of the race. So I mean, it's funny too because the announcer is like he wasn't even he was only paying attention to the kids from Harrisburg. So he like, mm -hmm. kind of like just glosses over your time. He's like, you know, like he's basically apologizing. I can't remember the names of those two kids were now, but yeah, um, um, yeah it was. Uh, I got him right here. Is uh, Jones who I think went on to play football Jones. at North or one of them played football at Northwestern, and then I think it was Jones that played at Northwestern, and then um, Brad Brashear. Brashear, yeah. One I yeah. went to SIU to, I think, play football at SIU, maybe. I don't know. Mm. I know he went to Northwestern right. SIU. Yeah. Well, and that video, my dad took that video. Oh, you was know, it really? Oh, really? One, of the, one of those giant on the shoulder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, quarters. <laughs> and that ended up being one of the luckiest things of being recruited because it was a hand time, which also is not very common for elite high school times yeah. uh, versus a fully automatic timing system. Yeah. And so I kind of had to show that video to several coaches to kind of prove that I had actually ran that time. And they set, every one of them sat there with their, I was going to get time with themselves. Really? Wow. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So obviously this is going to start getting some big time attention and it did. And, uh, you know, so this is, uh, you know, we're looking post state state finals. We're talking June of 2021. You're doing the, you know, the U S uh, USA junior track and field again. Um, what are your remembrance of that? And it were, I know there's certain things, but when did the recruiting really pick up for you? And when did you really start getting a lot of stuff from, from big time programs? It was pretty soon after that Harrisburg race, uh, yeah. because that's also as soon as I think state ended or within a couple of weeks, um, official recruiting could happen. And so that time and being a junior that year put me kind of on a lot of lists. And so instead of getting questionnaires, um, I was starting to get phone calls or the school was starting to get phone calls. And that's when everything kind of really got started. And one of those uh, UAs, the one of those junior track and field, uh, you won the one, two, four in the long jump. And then your sister, who was coming into her own as, a, as an athlete, and she wins the 400, 
hurdles and got second in the hundred hurdles. So I guess she was taken after you and had a really, she had a heck of a career uh, too, as a, as a track stern and as an athlete, an academic uh, athlete as well. And mm-hmm. you know, after that you also did the, uh, the Illinois open track meet and the uh, Adidas outdoor national championships. So you're, you did more of that. So maybe was it less basketball and more track that summer or tried to cram it all into one? Yeah, no, I think, I think basketball in the summer was, was starting to fall off at that point. I th- it was starting to become clear that like I could, you know, I was still hoping, you know, even though coaches are calling doesn't mean there's going to be a number attached to it on that last call, you know, for a scholarship or something. So I was uh, just really focused on that and trying to push as hard as I could. As, as you did those extra, your training probably started advancing. Who, besides Coach Kendall helping you out as you branched out a little bit, can you just talk about maybe some of the people that, that really helped you in your training and, and technique as you as you went forward? I mean, it was it was actually just a lot of Coach Kendall. Okay. Um, like I said earlier, we we would talk to whoever he knew at a track meet, or or like, hey, there's a fast kid that that coach has. Let's go in- introduce ourselves. Um, you know, there was obviously everybody like around the our community that was just supportive. I had right. a really good support uh, support system. You know, even just in like my peers of you know the Tom O'Tools or Will Campbell's like teammates. Um, you know, an Abby leg or my sister, Julia, um, along with community people, Terry Andrews was at like every single track meet, mm-hmm. uh, helping, helping with timing and Chris Lyles, John Christie, Bill Bandy. Like, I mean, they're like, it's, it's fun to talk about myself sometimes, but I'm not sure there'd still be a track program if, if not for a bunch of, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. You're, you're and a bunch right, more. Man. I'm sure there's a ton more, but, um, Fred white that, that you guys have mentioned before as well. Mm-hmm. As you became more yeah. and more sought after, did any of those peripheral people get calls or, or anything from, from schools trying to get your attention? Any of those people? Yeah. Not that I know of. I just wonder, cause I know, you know, just a few basketball players. I know, you know, junior high coaches start getting called and, and, you know, so oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think tracks. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> when did you, for, when was your first, um, communication from Oregon. Do you remember how that went? Was I'm sure there was something in the mail, but when did Oregon's it's like, okay, this, this is a possibility. Like this is going to be in my finalists here. Yeah. They, they actually came out quite a bit later. Um, as far as like phone calls and like personal interactions, um, they kind of, I think most everybody else was kind of well-established and some of those schools that were on that list that I had pretty regular conversations with were you know, Illinois, Notre Dame, Michigan, Nebraska, Missouri, Duke, um, Cornell was on my list for quite a while. Uh, and I think Oregon was kind of the last one to come in. Was that, and was that an Oh shit moment? I mean, kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, it had to be right. It should have been a bigger moment than that, but I just didn't know Oregon's history gotcha. right, very well. And I, I mean, I basically signed with them. I went there and like, I was a freshman there when I found out who Steve Prefontaine was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, that was going to be one of my questions. Yeah, it was going to come later, but we've, we've talked about it. Let's do it now. Um, obviously you were Steve Prefontaine died long before you ever got there, but uh, talk about what you learned about him. And, and if you've never seen that movie, everybody listening, watch it. It's, it's really, really good. If I had known half of what I know now about Oregon's history, it would have been, even more of a no-brainer yeah. uh, to get the opportunity to run there uh, and compete there. 
Um, the history is just so rich. I mean, like the one of the original coaches at Oregon was the one that introduced jogging to the United States. Yeah. And of course, then there's a whole history of Nike, Nike right. there with, with Phil Knight and everything. And uh, it's just, and then, you know, I had a lot of the success there too. And it was just amazing to end up being a part of that history, not yeah. just learn about it right. uh, kind of after the fact in some cases, but it was, uh, I got really, really lucky. And Oregon, most years wouldn't have recruited me. I, I got lucky in that aspect too, that uh, a sprint coach was there that was really trying to like make something happen with the sprint program, which hadn't happened for a while. It's been mostly, mostly known for its distance runners. Distance, yeah. And he was getting some money, some scholarship money to try to get a decent sprint group together. And he was only there for uh, two of my years. And then that money kind of shifted back uh, a little bit more towards the distance. So like, I, I just happened to hit that at the right time, uh, you know, right time, right place type of thing. I know like your family were big U of I fans and L I and I fans. Was there uh, any pressure? Did you feel any pressure to stay in state and go to Illinois? Not from my parents. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people that, uh, that had, you know, suggestions and things and, um, my cousin Justin really wanted me to go to Notre Dame so he could get, you know, football tickets. <laughs> football tickets yeah. uh, but everybody just in general was really supportive and just kind of interested in, in, you know, hearing the process and kind of waiting to see what happened. And uh, I was listening to the, the Mandy podcast um, a couple of days after it came out and I didn't, you know, make sense hearing her talk about it, but we had, you know, a lot of parallels of similar experiences yeah, that's uh, cool. through that recruiting process. Yeah, that is cool. So Oregon wins out over, um, you know, Michigan and U of I, I think we're kind of mentioned as your, maybe your top three, but you do that fairly early. That's in November of your, uh, of your senior year. So you, that's, I guess that's done and out of the way you've, you've made your decision. Did you waver at all? Like I'm going to be living a long way from home. I'm going to the West coast. Any of that at all? Or were you very confident in the decision you made? Um, the distance was an interesting factor for sure. Um, there were pros and cons about it. Uh, when I went out there to visit, it was just that one week in the fall where all the leaves are changing colors. It's, yeah. it's 70 degrees and yeah. just beautiful. And, and it was just a really hard thing to, to pass up. Yeah. I, I did a lot of I did a lot of traveling to Oregon um, for a lot of years, and I had to make my way down to Eugene. And if you hit it at the right time, it's a really really cool place. Yeah, it does rain a lot there. There are yeah. you know weekends not to go, but yeah. right. <laughs> Do you still have communication with either your coaches? You had a uh, Coach Smith and Coach Sylvie, I believe, when you were there. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and Dan Steele. Okay. And you know I'm friends with uh, I think most of them on Facebook and Coach Smith in Iowa State now, right? Iowa State. So you you're into your senior year. You're you're a Wendy's Heisman finalist for a high school athlete, which is a pretty awesome accomplishment. Uh, again, a small town kid from Red Hill. You have a really great basketball season. I mean, you're you're you turned into a scoring machine the, during your senior year. I think you end up averaging over twenty. I think that year. I know there was a game against uh, Edwards County when you and Brandon combined for uh, 65 points. You had 35 that's, and Brandon had 30. Pretty cool game, I'm sure, to have. That's my favorite basketball game. Really? I remember that one really yeah. well, yeah. I mean, just, just uh, I mean, Brandon was, it was fun for me to come in my own as a scorer. I was, I felt like I could always get more playing time, you know, as an underclassman, you know, being good at defense, being a yep. role player. And then, like you said, like, I'm like, okay, it's my senior year. Like, it's time to have some fun. 
and then having Brandon, uh, you know, out just, just draining threes all the time. Um, that was a really fun experience. You two did it again in uh, the first game of the regional. You score 42, which I'm that's your high. And that was the Red Hill scoring record until Mr. Vinsel, Cameron Vinsel, came along. But you held that record for a few years. And that game, Brandon scores 25 in the win over Palestine. You joined the later in February of that year, you joined Red Hill's uh, thousand point club. So that's, uh, you know, you're one of a, of a handful that's had that and made that accomplishment. Uh, uh, it takes almost four years of basketball, and you only end up with about three and a half years on the varsity team, but another great accomplishment. Uh, you guys did lose in the regionals. You made it to the dunk contest champion. How in the world did you ah. – how did that come to be? I, I don't have any idea. Yeah, how'd you do? How'd you end up doing the state? Do you remember? I, I, I think I was 14th, but I don't remember how many how many kids were there, if it was like yeah. 25, 20, 25. Um, but that was a fun experience. If um, you could have triple jumped – on a dunk, you yeah, win hands cool, down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, for Red Hill, you made a uh, you were a special mention for the All State basketball team, which is again just uh, for this is like your second sport. You know, I mean, the track's obviously number one, and your first team All Vincent Sun commercial. So had a heck of a heck of a four year basketball career, and you really capped. Like you said, you were you were kind of known as the defensive guy, the rebound guy, the role player. And then your senior year, you got to kind of come into your own and be the be the leader of uh, of that team. Um, you were one of six valedictorians at Red Hill that year, your senior year. Um, really, Dean scholarship. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You won the Brandon Smith scholarship and. Um, you know, I don't know who the other five five were, but you all uh, you all were the uh, valedictorians that year. And there's typically not six, is there? Is that normal? I don't think not that I'd say. No, that was a lot, and we only had 54 in our graduating class. And, That's pretty impressive. Yeah, really? for, for wow! <laughs> Holy cow! So going into the, you're, you're, of course, obviously advanced to state one more time, and uh, one of the great stories in Red Hill history. One of the great stories in Illinois high school history. Yeah, I think some people so – that's why I wanted to make mention on, on our Facebook page is that, you know, Red Hill got third in state, and Red Hill's credited with getting third in the state, but, you know, you're the only representative from Red Hill there. <laughs> and, uh, of course, score enough points to, to get Red Hill that third, place, th- that third place finish. And, you know, going into that training, knowing you, you know what's facing you, you know you're, who you're going to get in the, in the finals again. What's your mentality going into that where you're going to get this kid for the third year in a row? Yeah, I mean, it was last chance. Yeah. Like, I mean, getting third as a team and, like, standing up on that podium with a gigantic Chicago Leo team and a gigantic Harrisburg team and then me. Um, <laughs> it was just a – but it was just a consolation prize. I, yeah. I just wanted to win one individual title. Yeah. Um, so even though, like, it's a good story and everything, you know, a lot of good stats and accomplishments from it, like, that – that didn't feel like a very good day for me. Really? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, over time, you know, obviously is, has gotten better, but yeah. on that day, it was not, not particularly fun. That, that was my one and only time seeing you run live. I was there that day and um, I thought you were going to, I mean, you ran a great 400 that day. I think your, your time was excellent, but Shields was on a different planet that day. Um, yeah. I mean, he was it, was, it was amazing. Uh, so um, and I got to know him a little bit. I came across him a couple of times in college, a couple of times as pros. Um, nicest guy too. Yeah. So. I remember there was footage on the, cause I was living in the Springfield area at the time on news channel 20 on the sports that night. I watched it cause the guys that finished third and fourth were from Springfield. Um, 
They were from Calvary and Lutheran is where they went to school at. And I just remember in like, they focused on their faces. So they crossed the finish line and they were like third and fourth, but they were well back third and fourth. I mean, it wasn't even, they weren't even close to the top <laughs> two and just watching. I mean, they just looked at each other and like, wow, I don't know if they're saying, wow, because they just finished third, fourth in the state or wow. Like we can't believe we just ran our best race ever. Hey, we're and not even in the ball. Well down the track from these, from these two guys. But I mean, you're two of the, I mean, I know you never got an individual title, but I mean, you four years of, of placing at state. I mean, I think you had one of the, I don't know, maybe the greatest career to never get an individual title. I would say you would definitely be in that class. And um, Shields, obviously one of the best careers ever at state, if not the best. So, and we both ran, there was two class, two classes in track right. at the time. And both yeah. of us ran faster than the double a winner. Yeah, wow. that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. like, again amazing. You know, going. Of course, you were first in several categories in the Vincent Sun Commercial area that year too. I thought it was interesting. You finished fifth in the shot put. How many meets did you throw the shot put at? I think just that one. Just that one. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so, I, I think Fred, Fred let me kind of play around a little bit. I see you So you, you've wrapped up your high school season. I'm going to let Chip, Chip take it over from from this point on, and uh, you know, just again, you know, you talk about. Again, it's small school, Red Hill, but like I said, decorated, uh, probably for our money, the the greatest student athlete that, that Red Hill's ever seen. Yep. And it was an amazing career for sure, Matt. It was just uh, unbelievable. And so we're, so we've signed with Oregon now, as Gary talked about. Now, Brian, you had some, so we've talked about how Oregon's a, a major track program, but you had, did you have some, just yeah. your little thing that you were saying earlier. Well, <laughs> we, we, we were talking about this and, and, and I said, and I was telling some other people, and then I texted this to the guys. I'm like, Let, let's just put this in perspective. What what Matt, what Matt going to Oregon was? It it'd be like Matt McCullough going to Duke, Billy Gray quarterbacking Alabama, Darby Wagner wrestling at Iowa State, Gary Emmons pitching for Arizona State, Emma Heath playing first base for UCLA, Garrett Halfaker playing golf at Oklahoma State, and Jesse Lawson spiking it for Stanford volleyball team. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, so I mean, I think more people in the, of our listeners know more about Oregon's track program now because of Matt. But um, even you know, he, he Matt mentioned that he didn't know the history and everything yeah, before right. he started getting recruited there. So I mean, but but everybody knows Duke basketball. So like this is the Duke basketball of <laughs> um, of the track world, and didn't just go there and and um, sit the bench as you would uh, using basketball terms. I mean, at Oregon was a nine time NCAA All American. Um, 16 time NCAA qualifier, um, and the, the record holder in five events at Oregon. So let's just, let's talk about the college career a little bit. Let's, um, I know you run at historic Hayward field and, um, I mean, this is a venue where they, they, we sell season tickets here. So, I mean, this is like, these are sellout track. Yeah. There, I think. <laughs> what a different, what, what different than, than high school, right? Yeah, so I'll just kind of turn over you. If you want to talk about some of the highlights and running at Hayward Field and just being part of that Oregon track program, I'll just let you go with it for a little bit here. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, you listed a, a ton of things already, but it was it was it was different. It was a a, a shock <laughs> and a culture shock in a lot of different ways. And uh, but we had a we had a really young group. We had a big group that was like my class that came in. So. Uh, with a, just a few key like upperclassmen that just helped us all along. And uh, it really coming off of a good high school career, like kind of allowed me to step in and be a leader for like our freshman group and, and uh, you know, made it so I didn't have to feel like I was going to a big school and sit in the bench. Like I got to 
try to be the, you know, not, I wasn't always, but try to be the big dog there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, lead workouts and push people and have people push me. And it was, uh, it was just a really fun time. And we had a lot of people, freshmen that year, sprinters that from all over, uh, Colorado and Texas and, and, uh, as well as some local Oregon guys. So we were all just kind of in the same boat. So we just all banded together and said, Hey, we're going to go do this. And, and, um, I think it was sophomore year. We won pack tens. It was pack tens then as a team. And we started having success in the four by four, which is where, uh, you know, several of my all Americans are and, and uh, several relays four by one and four by four. Um, but we just had a really strong contingent in the 400 and just helped each other and pushed each other. And, uh, running at Hayward was, I mean, they call it, you know, the magic of Hayward field. And it's, it's absolutely true. It's the, Carnegie Hall of track and field. Yeah. How many people would be at, at, at a, at a, 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 the best attended meets? How many people were we talking? I mean, the worst attended meet was still like four or 5,000. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like in the rain, <laughs> season <laughs> ticket holders. Um, but like even an average would be five or 6,000 for just a normal, you know, two other, three other colleges come in for a Saturday meet. You'd still yeah. get five or 6,000 people there. Wow. And, but like the, you know, they hold the Olympic trials there, the, world championships are going to be there next year. Um, which is the first time the U S has held that meet, that international meet. Um, and I think for Olympic trials, I'm not sure what capacity was for that, like 20, 25, 30,000, kind of in that range. Wow. Uh, it's, it's an incredible stadium and they just redid it. They just opened up a new, like $300 million stadium track only facility. Really? Oh my. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, pretty ridiculous. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a power five conference champion football stadium. Yeah. Quality. Yeah. yeah uh, right. So like in, in the four by, do you, do you run the same leg of that all through school or does that rotate or, or how does that I was, I was usually the second or fourth, Okay. typically the fourth, but, um, that's what I did most of the time. So I was the anchor. Okay. Um, I wasn't always our fastest runner on the team, uh, but that's usually where, where I was. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of success in that. We had a, a transfer come in uh, my junior year. Um, we both ended up number two and number three on the all-time Oregon list. So, like, we that year we placed third in CAAs uh, with, the num- with the sixth fastest time of all time and got third. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> Did you run many like on the on the indoor? How did like the indoor Mason? Did you like running indoors? Um, indoor was really interesting because it's also something I didn't know existed when yeah. I was in high school. Uh, and I never quite got used to it. I never got really good at it. Just the they're just a little bit different style with the banked turns. Yeah, um, shorter turns, and I'm I'm a little taller even for a, a 400 meter athlete. Um, so. I, I had a little bit of success indoors, but but uh, it was much better, much more comfortable. How outdoors. tall? How tall are you, Matt? Six two. Okay. So that that six hundred meter, I saw you was like sixth in the world on for this. Was it the six hundred meter run? That was that an indoor event? I believe I saw that when I was researching. That was a I was a pro at that. That point. was a pro. Okay. Yeah. So well, talk about this since I already brought it up. So yeah, it was um, a, I mean, it's not a normal distance, so people don't run yeah. it very often. Uh, but I, I did a head to head race against one of the best 800 meters guys okay. in the country or in the world actually um ended up 
just outleaning him uh, at a 600 meter race. Uh, it was like, it's kind of a tune-up race. It was like two weeks before the Olympic trials in 2008. Uh, and we ended up number six and eight on the all time 600 meter list world list. Yeah. How does this, how's this race come together that you two are going to do this? How does that, I mean, we, uh, we were training partners. Um, okay. and that was on our home track. It was just a tune-up race. Um, neither one of us, nobody really wanted to run a full eight. I was an 800 meter runner at the time, actually. Okay. Um, so yeah, just, just something kind of for fun. It was not meant to, not meant to be anything special. Um, we were waiting, you know, two weeks later yeah. to try to make an Olympic right. team. So and, and, go ahead, Brian. Well, I was just going to say, we're just, while we were talking about those, the venue and things, where else did you go that the atmosphere, was there any place else where the atmosphere was quite like that or, or what, what schools were close to it? In college, um, or in Texas Relays down in Austin, that was awesome. That's a, just a crazy fun atmosphere. Uh, Drake Relays in Des Moines, Iowa, also a really fun atmosphere. Um, I learned about the pin relays on the Cosby oh. Show. I remember that episode. <laughs> yes, uh, pin relays I ran a few okay. times as well. You did? Oh, cool. Right. Our first Cosby Show mention on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, I had, I was going to ask you about your, like your team accomplishment, your most proud. Did you say you got third, you guys got Oregon got third in the country one year when you were there? I think you mentioned that a little bit ago, um, uh, on our relay. Yeah. Oh, the your relay team did. Okay. I think as a team at Oregon, I mean, we won pack tens twice as a team while I was there, um, which sounds really good, except as soon as I left, they won 10 straight years in a okay. row, 10 or 12. <laughs> uh, now it looks like my years, like just weren't very good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then at nationals as a team, we, we were never in contention for a team title. Okay. Also that came after I left and they won a bunch. All right. uh, I think we finished like fifth or sixth. We were usually in the top 10 though. And I know that in track, the team, you know, the, the team wins are important, but it's, it's still an individual, those individual events, I think are what you put. Um, um, I don't know more of it. I don't know if priority is the right word or not, but that's, um, yeah, but, yeah, that, that's exactly you can, right. You can, I guess you can control that more. The team of you know the team standings, you can't, you don't have as much yeah. control. It's such over a that. diverse, diverse yeah. sport that it's hard to get throwers and jumpers and yeah. sprinters all together doing the same yeah. thing at the same time. So, and it's such an individual sport. It's you know everyone's trying to do their own thing, try to go pro, do do what they can. Yeah. And, and we, we talked about that Harrisburg race in high school. That was kind of your defining moment. Was there a, a, a relay or an individual race in college? You kind of look back on like that was, that was the Harrisburg moment in college. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was my senior year. Uh, and I'm, you know, trying to you know, get another couple all Americans. Uh, but I really wanted to win pack pack tens as an individual in the 400 meter. Uh, and, but I'm also coming at to the end of my college career. I had a job lined up. I've been doing the job fairs, all that kind of stuff. I had, you know, a new city to go live in. And then at pack tens, I run a new personal best and win that race. And I ran 45 one in the 400 wow. and that kind of turned everything around, pivoted everything into like, Hey, I can, I think I can do a pro career now. Okay. Wow. Um, so that was that defining race just right at the tail end, you know, two races before the end of my, college career and, and you end up being a two-time academic all-american as well i want to make sure we mention that um so we've talked amazing academic career as well as athletic career all the way through so um let's go into pro pro now. how do you become so that was that as you said that defining race 45 one and now um so 
professional track. I know it's um, something, you know, it's not in, we not as big a sport as we think of, you know, professional, you know, football, baseball, basketball, but t- talk to us about how you get into professional track and a little bit about some of your experiences there. It's, it's a unique process. It's, um, you know, it's basically, you know, there's no draft or anything. There's no pro teams. Uh, you're kind of on your own and sometimes like actually on your own, you like, you're going and searching for an agent so that that agent can, work for you and everything, uh, or try to get you a, a shoe deal or something. Um, I had two or three agents approach me and I think that was about right for like my, my level of how good I was, but, uh, you know, the, the really good ones, every, every agent's going after them and trying to get, get them signed on. Cause they know it's going to be, you know, a really good, really good, uh, pro contract. And, um, but I started out with, uh, with Nike, I was with them for five years. Uh, I stayed in Eugene. They started uh, like a training group there uh, called Oregon Track Club. Uh, and that, that made everything really easy for me. I, yeah. I had to move up to the 800 to do that, but I thought that that was a good, a, a good decision for me, a good thing to try to do at the time. Like even making a four by four relay on an Olympic team was just, there were just so many good guys at the time. Uh, and the 800 at the time was opposite. I'm like, okay, like if I just, if I can be pretty good, I'm, I might have a, you know, have a shot at it. So I was, fortunate enough in that, like, I didn't have to uproot my life or anything right after college. I got to stay right where I was and, um, had a a lot of other people move in a lot of really good people to train with. Uh, they ended up being world medalists, Olympic medalists and things. Um, so that was a really, really fun, really fun experience. How much intermingling with the track club and the Oregon team? Do do you do a lot of training together and things, or is it completely separate? We'd We'd have separate, um, training times on the track, but, yeah, it's still, it's a super small right. world. So yeah. we're all, you know, hanging right. out and we know each other and everything. Where all did you, as a pro, like where, where all did you get a run worldwide? Uh, I think Everywhere. I ended up at one point, 15 or 16 different countries. Wow. Uh, and some of those that were kind of at the top of that list, South Korea, China, um, all over Europe, Finland, Denmark, uh, France, Italy. What's Those the, were kind of kind of the main ones. What's Lithuania? The, I went to really. Wow. Did you have any any one just crazy travel story that 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 took place in one of those countries? Uh, well, traveling internationally was new to me when I started doing it. So right. All of those types of just like first time stories, of course, of trying to read a train map or something in a different language. But, yeah. Um the second half of my pro career, I switched to being a, a, a pacemaker, a rabbit. Okay. Yep. And that's where I got to travel. Uh, my, my travel, uh, you know, spiked up. I got to go to the bigger meets and I, I became pretty well known for being a good rabbit. Right. And so some of my stories are, are more from that time, you know, running at the London Olympic stadium, the, the year after the Olympics and there's 60,000 people in there that that's one of the only times wow. in my career I've stepped on their track and, and like, kind of eyes wide. I remember that. Yeah. Wow. Matt, can you kind of explain like what, what's, why do they need a pace? Why do they need a rabbit? Well, yeah. Cause uh, good question, Gary. I remember Justin actually was the one that first told me about you doing this. And I had never even heard of that in my life. And everybody I've ever told that story to, including my daughter yesterday says, why do they need that? Why don't they just (laughs) do it themselves? So this is a good opportunity to educate us. 
It's a really good question. Um, yeah, a lot of if you don't know, then and it, it, you don't it's know. Almost kind of silly, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's a little bit mental and a little bit physical. It, just mentally being in the front, knowing that somebody's chasing you, is just a little makes it just a tad bit harder. And then also physically, um, the person in front is just breaking the wind, and so you're not drafting on anybody. So between those two things at that level, mm-hmm. it becomes useful. Um, to not basically have to sacrifice one of the competitors. And so you I put a you. rabbit in and they, and they do that. Uh, so, and then you drop off at the, what, with a lap to go or whatnot? Yeah. At that point, like I'm almost part, more part of like meat management. Yeah. I'm sitting in like a technical meeting the night before there's a whole okay. race plan um, for, for at least when I'm on the track, you know, they, they, we don't plan out who wins or anything, but yeah, um, right. usually like, Usually the fastest runner in the field has a say in like what I'm supposed to do. Really? How, how far around the track I go at what pace. And so I'd get asked to do things like, okay, run the first lap in 49.5 seconds. And then where I got really good with that is I, I could do 49.6 seconds or 49.4 yeah. seconds. Right. Uh, and so that got noticed and sometimes, well, I was doing that just solely doing that. I wasn't trying to race anymore. And Typically, a rabbit is somebody that couldn't get into the race. They weren't, weren't fast enough or something. So it's, uh, it's, it's almost like hard to find the person that wants to do it. Right. Okay. Uh, so that's also why I got a lot of, a lot of opportunity. Yeah, there's a lot of information out there. And you were just not just you're, a lot of opportunities. And I think you were known as maybe the world's best pacemaker, world's best rabbit. I mean, you were when guys were wanting to set world records, which I think they did at times or, or meet records or, you know, um, you were the one they would want to bring in to be their their pacer that that day. Mm-hmm. The uh, my big year was 2012. That was an Olympic year. So everybody's trying to hit their qualifying marks, make their, their own country's Olympic team and everything. And that year I paced 19 of the fastest 2,800 meter runners in the world. Yeah. And uh, I think that's on your, that's on that Wikipedia. Yeah. Right. Did you do different, different distances of races or did you do just one when you were the pace setter? Uh, Usually just one. 800 was my specialty for sure. And I'd run anywhere from 500 to 600 meters of, of the 800. I would do the mile sometimes, but I would just, I didn't like doing that. I wasn't quite good enough yeah. <laughs> to run that far. So I, I listen, it, it, it begs to ask the question, was there, was the meat organizers ever afraid or did you ever go through your mind? Like, screw it. I'm staying on here. I'm going to try to win this thing. Uh, I got that. I asked that question quite a bit. That's I bet. Also the fastest, that's the fastest way to never be a rabbit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when it, it's time probably, to retire. Yeah. You probably yeah, don't get paid if you don't drop off when you're supposed to probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're just hearing about rabbits now and you want there, if, um, Matt has a website, sheer speed, uh, dot runnerspace.com. There's lots of videos from races where you can actually watch this in action, where you can watch him leading and you can see at the point where he, where he drops off in the race. I think I, I listened to one interview with you as a radio interview you had done. And he's basically, as Brian says about, about one lap into the 800 bits, basically, as soon as you can't, 
you go as hard as you can till you can't anymore. And at that point, that's when you just drop off. And um, it's, it's fascinating to watch. And I, and a good comparison you had on that radio show I was listening to was if you've ever been to the dog races, the little rabbit that goes around the, to set the pace <laughs> for the dogs, that's basically what you are. I guess where the term rabbit comes from is yep, um, exactly. that's what, that's what you are is you're that, that little rabbit that's going around the track. So, um, Hey Chip, give that website again for anybody that wants to okay, look that up. So it's sheer speed. So S C H E R E R speed dot runner space.com. And it's got, there's videos, there's the, like the radio interview. It's got all of his records, all the different uh, athletes that he paced uh, some well, you know, cool. some well-known ones in the track world on there. Many of them, um, the different races he's been to basically his whole career. It's, it's a, it's a ton of information awesome. um, on there. Um, so Matt, now, what year did you retire as a, as a uh, professional runner? 2014. Okay. So that was your last one then. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you know it at the time? Did you know this is my last time doing it? So you, yeah. you, had, you, you were able to mentally prepare that this will be the last time. How, mm-hmm. what were the thoughts, thoughts of that, that this is like the last time I'll be, com- I know it's not competitive on your end. It's still competitive to you though. I know it probably had to be. So, I mean, that was pretty, um, well, a lot of different thoughts in different, different directions, but I was already fortunate enough to continue my career longer after like I, I basically retired four years before that because I just wasn't fast enough, you know, to continue trying to make an Olympic team or something. Right. And so the, I got four more years staying in the sport, uh, you know, staying around everybody that I knew. And so that made it a little bit, little bittersweet, but like I had a much better than a lot of athletes have it where they just want to keep going and they just can't for right. various reasons or injury or something. So. And you mentioned Olympics there. So I guess like 08, probably when you're thinking of Olympic years would have been like the, your peak time to make an Olympic, like how close were you like at Olympic trials and things to, to making an Olympic to like in the 800 or I guess. Would have yeah. Been yeah. I competed in the 800. I was ended up 12th overall. Um, I made it to the semifinals. I was fifth in my semifinal and the top four, make it to the finals. Uh, so I didn't, okay. didn't make it to the last race. So okay. I ended up 12th, 12th overall in the top three, make the Olympic team. All right. Wow. So pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah, I think, um, he pretty, we pretty much covered everything. Cause yeah, the, the pacing was my last thing I was going to get to. And we had a, and, we, and like I said, there's a lot more out there. If you want more info, anything we talked about, there's definitely more out there that you can find online. So do you guys have anything else? To- I was just going to make mention, you know, coach Kendall gets known as he's, and for the greatest basketball coach Red Hill ever had. I think that's part of probably that a lot of people didn't know how instrumental he was in helping you and the the coach and leader he was for you. And I think that's something that may, he probably doesn't get a lot of credit for as, as a coach and as a, you know, as a, as a leader of, of youth, especially at Red Hill. So yeah, I think it was, it was good for you to put that perspective on that yeah. for, for, for yeah, Coach I, K. And, and I, it's, really I, cool. it's something I definitely didn't know. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people like that as well. Yeah. I, I, I have more respect for him as a track coach. Yeah. I didn't know how much work he was putting into it until Matt kind of went over some of those things. So, yeah. Well, and, and even just to add to that, like, I don't know how much he was trying to do this. Uh, it might just come really natural to him, but the psychological aspect of, of coaching track when it's just such an indiv- individualized uh, sport, like he was always just kind of saying the right thing on the right day to get me motivated in the right way. Um, yeah, he was just instrumental. Wow. That's awesome. Any, any final words, Matt? 
I appreciate that you guys are doing this. I've learned so much about the history of Red Hill sports that I did not, did not know at all when yeah. I was in high school. Uh, I feel like call, uh, freshman athletes coming into Red Hill should be required to listen to some of <laughs> something to learn. Uh, you, know, so. you know, we say that we, usually when Brian and Chip and David King and I get together, we were doing the show without being on the air. And then, you yeah, know, these are uh, conversations that we have. Yeah. So we might as well put it out there for everybody to hear. So COVID-19 hits and we figured people had a lot of time on their hands and uh, we thought, why not try to do something to, and uh, you know, so it's really cool for us to go back and research this stuff and, and uh, it's just amazing. And, you know, like I said, uh, second to none to Matt Shear, in, yep. in my opinion. So thank you so much, yeah. Matt, for coming Thanks on. a lot, Matt. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. All right take, take care, care Matt. Man. Thanks. Well, that was fantastic. And, uh, of course, brought to you by, like it is every episode, Tyler Griffin's Pizza House, Andrew's Insurance Agency, People State Bank. The Gray family cooking for your family at Gray's Restaurant. We really appreciate their sponsorship, and we're happy to help get their word out, which we could do for your business too, for people that live right there in the Bridgeport area and lots of different areas, right, Chip? We've got we've got a few downloads that pop up all, all over the place, yeah. all over the world. world worldwide. And, and I know a good friend of mine that lives in Springfield, he um, has never been to a – well, he's only been to one Red Hill event, I think. But um, he um, he listens to every episode. He's a huge so even people that have no connect that have few connections to Red right. Hill are are tuning in and enjoying. Well, and the show. it's it's funny. I've got some people over here um, that I didn't even know um, that live over here in, in Indiana and said I listen to it every every episode. And I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, like, you don't know. But uh, yeah, it's fun. So uh, if your business wants to promote itself to uh, to quite a few people, just let us know and we'll be. Happy to do that. What an episode that was. This is one, actually, that probably could get a little worldwide exposure possible. Yeah, that's yeah very true. well could. I'm sure we'll... I'm sure we'll probably get a link on Shearspeed.com, Shearspeed.Runnerspace.com, so... You know, if, uh, that was... If, if he hadn't thought of it yet, I'm sure we will now after that, uh, yeah, after that plug. That was... You know, we've, we've had so many great guests, from Coach Dixon to Jim Baker to, you know, Susan Ride, Mandy, you know, go on down the list of all the great ones. This is the one I knew the least about. I mean, professional track and field and, and high-level track, I just it's just a subject I'm ignorant on, and it was great to talk to one of the greats in in history. Yeah, I mean, obviously one of the not, – not just Red Hill best of all time. I mean, this, this guy was a – he was known worldwide as a professional track, uh, track star. So, yeah. it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. He's obviously a super intelligent, bright person. Uh, valedictorian of his class and you know just had a really awesome career got to travel the world running yeah. track and 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 got paid to do it so i mean a professional athlete from red hill it's it's so cool yeah and and it, just google matt Shear. i mean tons of stuff come up uh, there's a lot of information on the wikipedia of course you now we know about his website and but one thing that's interesting chip do you have that handy what that 400 meter time was that he had at Harrisburg 4667 40 so this is how natural of an athlete this guy was 4667 one of the best times in Oregon history was 40 he ran it on May 14th of 2006 45.19 now I know a second and a half is huge in track and field 
but you go from a kid at Red Hill that has minimal training. Yeah, didn't even know was considering playing baseball. Right. <laughs> to, right. to one of the great times in Oregon track history. I mean, and it's a second and a half. It, it's just it's amazing and it's a testament to what what kind of athlete that he was at Red Hill. Well, and I remember one of those times when you drive down Judy Avenue and you drive by what's now Griffin's Pizza House and the dog pound. I mean, he was on that track countless hours training and he's just such a so driven and so focused. I mean, and I'm sure for those, you know, those spelling bees where he went, he almost went to Washington, D.C. I'm sure he was that focus and drive and, you know, never made a B in his life and in any subject um, all the way through school. I mean, just yeah. in everything he does. It's you know right. he kind of mentioned that if there was a, if there was a competition he, he was, was ready he yeah. wanted to be involved in it and yeah. um, and, and would always do it and would give it a hundred percent no matter what it was right yeah well we appreciate his time and uh, and and all the best going forward and we probably will have to have him on that spelling bee episode I think <laughs> when that comes up because we we were joking before we we turned on the the recording button here that we. Spelling bees continue to keep coming up on yeah, the show. We mentioned Brian, Brian's top 10 performance in uh, 1982 or 83. We mentioned that uh, Gary's uh, amazing performance at the fifth and sixth grade spelling bee with his, uh, with his Detroit Tigers. Uh, sure, <laughs> my, most, my most embarrassing moment. <laughs> okay. <would have> <laughs> okay, <that's right. laughs> I made it to final four and then um, had a disaster. Chip, com- I, I, Chip completely. <laughs> Yeah, I got a couple spelling from fourth grade, uh, uh, seventh grade, uh, a big, big time in seventh grade with spelling bee, and uh, King always advanced far in spelling bees. And then we can get Matt Shear on Scott Evans. We may even bring in Lawrenceville's Brittany Lockhart to get her uh, view on things. So yeah, the spelling bee episode will happen. <laughs> it's the anticipation <laughs> is starting to grow for that. Uh, David Freeman, if we're gonna have a spelling bee episode, David Freeman's gonna be there on. That's for sure. Well, he one was, thing he was Matt Shear before Matt Shear in the spelling right. bee world at Red. <laughs> well, one thing we've got to do, we kind of teased it at the beginning of the show, and uh, it's time. This is creating quite a stir on the Facebook page. I get lots of DMs every since our last episode on guessing the mystery voice. None of mystery them, cr- actually, one person did, even though we were doing a random draw for the first three or four episodes before we give away the $25 gift certificate to Grace for the correct answer but i've had a few people just say hey is it this person and i won't tell whether it's right or wrong but one person in the class of 87 did have it right so he completely eliminated himself from the competition until we open it up and then possibly we'll figure out how to do that but anyway so let's go to the mystery voice and we're going to give a little bit more of that message right now hello red Salukis. All right, there you go. That's the the little bit extra this week. And Chip, you just did the drawing to see who's going to be on the clock. So we have about 1,100 members on the site. I've put them in a hat here and I'm going to draw, draw the name out right now. Shake up the box here a little bit. (laughs) All right. Oh, this is so, so exciting. It's actually not a Red Hill grad that I drew out here. Oh, wow. He used to go to Red Hill, though, through eighth grade. 1992 Paris grad, Rodney. Rodney Rodney is on the clock. So we will will probably release this episode sometime Friday afternoon. What do you want to give him? Um, 
it is a it is going to be the weekend so um, this could be guys this could be over Rodney's a huge fan of the show, so you know he's going to be listening on Friday. So I think 24 hours is enough. For, okay, so for we'll him. let's say by 24 hours from when we drop this episode, and we'll we'll put it on Facebook just so and tag him so he knows. Rodney, you're on the clock. You got 24 hours to guess the mystery voice. Good luck. I hope you. Good luck, Rodney. Hope you do well. What else, guys? Let's wrap it up here. This has been a great episode. Matt Shear was awesome. Hey, I know we already know what we're going to do, and actually, I think we're going to do this. We're going to record again next week, so we'll probably have a show two weeks in a row here. Chip, uh, what are we going to do? All right, on the next week, you may have seen a Facebook post we put up last week that asked band members, basketball players, fans, alumni, what their memories of the Red Hill a pep band, but then the reason they use pep band is because the football games, the football players would have never heard the music. So basketball players got to warm up to it. So uh, the, the songs you remember from the pep band, I have lots of good memories from that. And we're just going to talk band next week. So I know a lot of our members that were athletes uh, were also in the band or that maybe that weren't involved in athletics were part of the band. So uh, we hope the show caters to you and we'll have lots of fun doing it. So yeah, that will be enjoy fun. that. Yep, I spent many a night sitting sitting in the in that chair back seat as a as a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grader listening to to Robert Clymer's band and and this isn't the Robert Clymer episode. This is just right. kind of a special band music episode. So we'll definitely do both of those at some point. But uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I think everybody is is uh, and, is very in tune with that. And then even can we even go like two shows down the line? What's because I know a lot of people are wondering about this show that's coming up in May. It, it, it's it's that time of year. It's it's prom season. That's right. So eventually, we don't have an exact date yet, but we did the homecoming episode last October. Uh, the prom episode is coming up um, later. Well, make sure we do that in May sometimes. Yeah. April, May is prom season. Yeah, the homecoming episode, one of our most downloaded shows of all time. So I, I think this one will Maybe be a lot of fun. best work. Yeah. I, it was, <laughs> uh, counting it, when we're doing, talking not the interviews, not interviews the, right. the non-interview shows where it's just us talking, that that one's going to, we, we were on our A game that, and, that episode. But I think prom is probably more special to everybody than homecoming. That's my opinion. You had more, it was more time. It was more of almost like not an all-day event. Yeah, but it, it was a uh, it was a big it was deal. A whole deal. I it just was not yeah. I mean, dance wise, home as we talked about, it's kind of a rushed event. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of the opposite of prom. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I I can take think of two or three stories right now that I could tell, and and the music is going to be fantastic in in that episode. If if a shout out to Debbie Scott, who I think is our favorite music fan um, of yeah. our of our podcast, and so there'll be a lot of music in that one for sure. So three episodes for sure in May, and who knows? Hell, we may do five, but yeah. definitely three. We'll got the Matt Shear, and then the high school band, and then the prom episode. So, if David King listens, we missed you having you having you on the show this week, but it was a pleasure to spend time with not only Matt Shear but my best friends in the whole wide world, Chip Jamerson and Gary Emmons. Anybody want to wrap us up? Got anything else to say? Nothing. We, uh, I, I hope everyone enjoys this one. It was a, a fantastic look at just how track works. A lot of people, it doesn't get a lot of, uh, at least here, it doesn't yeah. get a lot of uh, fanfare. It did when he went to Oregon and then worldwide he did. But uh, it's going to be, a, it's, a, it's a great listen, everybody. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you enjoyed it. 
All right. Well, on behalf of the guys, on behalf of Matt Shear, just like always, we are Red Hill. Thank you.